Hi, it's Tom Panos, John McGrath, million dollar agent. John, you've waited two weeks to hear this. Yeah, I missed that, Troy. That, that, that just makes the start of my day so much better when I hear Tom. He almost sings it. I just love it. It's a great... So what's happened, John, is we've had uh, Michael Pallier and Michael Glynn over our last two episodes. We've, we've both been travelling, so we haven't been um, together at the same time. And uh, you haven't had my uh, pre, pre-game ritual where I pump you up. Um, <laughs> But, uh, the good but they were great interviews. I think Michael and Michael are fantastic guys. So hopefully the listeners uh, got a lot out of those too. Interesting, um, Tom, that they are both incredibly humble and incredibly softly spoken in a lot of ways. And I say that as a huge compliment, not as a critique, of course. But they both very much break the traditional mould of, you know, uh, sharpshooting, smooth-talking salesmen. These are just like good quality human beings that have a process that they follow and they have great product knowledge. So I think it was great. And other than the great tips people got out of that, I hope they also learned that you can adopt your style and your authenticity to be successful. You don't have to become a clone of someone or something else. So anyway. And John, it's interesting, you know, because I think one of the biggest compliments real estate people get is when they have a, a vendor or a client say, this person or she was not like your typical real estate agent. That appears to be the the testimonial of testimonials where they've actually said this person has redefined what a real estate agent does. And oh, 100%. And, and the corollary or the opposite of that, of course, is when someone says to you, you must be in sales. You look like a salesman. I hate that because <laughs> there must be a look that a lot of us that are in sales have. So, uh, you know, I try not to look like a salesman if I can. All right, and we're back, and it's uh, it's first round of rugby league started on the on the weekend, and AFL starts next week, and there was a big game of soccer between the Wanderers and Sydney FC, and uh, um, I feel like Troy's uh, tricked me a little bit as he sits opposite <laughs> here because he he called me up on uh, Thursday, he says I'll put your tips in. Um, you've, you've missed Thursday night's game, but we're going to automatically give you the Roosters. And yeah. I thought that was very kind to actually saw the result the next morning. <laughs> Now, I didn't see. How did the Tigers go? You're beloved. Well, the Tigers, John, um, at 20, uh, 24-22, I No, 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 the, just the result. <laughs> I, I always like to actually explain. <laughs> the bottom line is uh, the, the Tigers did get they the lost. two points. Yes, they <laughs> He's a mind reader, this guy. He actually knew the question before he asked it, but... So uh, they lost, and um, you've got to be happy with South Sydney. The Bunnies, yeah, the Bunnies going well. Yeah, they're everyone's second team, so... Uh, they're my first team. So yeah, anyway, well, I always hope. say um, the way you start your year is generally the way your year unfolds, but we wait to see whether that's the case yeah. with the Rabbitohs, John. <laughs> There's a long start. season ahead. So, on uh, with the show. Let's get on with the show. Uh, today's topic is attracting versus chasing, and it's something that um, I want to talk about because we get a lot of people, John, that are saying that the model appears to be changing the end and the expiry date of the DL salesman, the person that is cold calling, the person that just does cold letterbox drops, appears to be becoming less and less prominent and it's being replaced by specialists that dominate a marketplace that are the go-to person. So if we can talk about attracting versus chasing and what are the first thoughts that come to your head when I use attraction versus chasing, John? Yeah, I saw it somewhere the other day, Tom, in a, in a blog, and I'm talking about push versus pull. It might have been in Seth Godden, but the same sort of concept. I think that if you are going to be a highly successful, high-volume agent, you need to go for an attraction strategy because there are only so many hours in a day and so many times you can letterbox drop someone, which are generally 
the activities of cold calling, letterbox dropping, door knocking, those sort of things are what we might call push and uh, chasing as opposed to pull or attracting. And I think whilst uh, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with those activities, you can only do so much of it and I think it'll get you a, a starting point or a platform. The, the best agents that you and I know and deal with and, and interview, I guess, they're all on attraction paths that people are ringing them as opposed to they're ringing others. And I say that with a slight caveat. There's no doubt that a lot of the best agents all have both going. I mean, they're, they're going out into the marketplace, they're forming centres of influence, they're doing um, some sort of... I mean, Pete Chauncey was telling me the other day that, you know, he does 2,000 just listed auction invites and just sold for every campaign he does, and 50 door knocks upon listing prior to auction and on sale. So, I mean, and he's a, you know, $4 million kind of performer. So there's both, but he also gets the vast majority of his listings, just people coming to him. So I, I think that if you're a listener and you're thinking about how do I grow my business, you must adopt the strategy of attracting business to you. And the only way to do that is repeat and referral and keeping in touch with past clients. So it's who are you in the marketplace? What does your community say about you? If I went into your community and I said, tell me, Tom Panos, local agent, you've heard of him, what do you think of him or what have you heard? The following answer is really critical. If someone says, oh, you know, I might have seen his name, but I don't know, well, there's no awareness. If someone said, well, I've had a few people that weren't happy, well, that's obviously a bad outcome. You want someone to say, what a great guy, he's on the ball, he knows his stuff, see him down the local coffee house, always pleasant to me, remembers my name, all those kind of things that make people feel good. And they're not selling strategies, they're actually connecting strategies. It's funny, John, you say that, because on Saturday I was having a coffee at La Galleria at Haberfield around 6.30 in the morning, about to go for a run, and there's a guy there called Sam, a concreter that uh, lives in Camden but has brought up in Haberfield. He sort of worked out I was in real estate, and he said, do you know Michael Tringali? And I said, yeah, yeah. I said, Mike, you know, he lives locally. Yeah. He goes, yeah, he says, I've known Michael. I went through school with him, and he goes... Yeah, he's, he's, he's a good person to sell through, but he goes, if you want to buy a bargain, he goes, you don't <laughs> buy through him. But the point that you're making is brand is what people say about you yeah. when you're not there. Correct. Tringali wasn't there. This guy's having a conversation with me. Now, potentially there are lots of conversations that people have at cafes, dropping off people at school, at sporting practice. And what they say about you when you're not there is basically you being the attraction agent in a marketplace. Well, Tom, you know, nearly every marketplace that we'd be listened to today, there's no one that goes to the Yellow Pages or Google to find their next agent. Nearly everyone has some sort of market awareness by signboards, local paper or the internet as to who's doing the business. They all know someone that's bought or sold recently that they can chat to. Could be in a mother's group, could be in a, a business environment or whatever. So, you know, what are people saying about you? So you then go back to, well, what are they saying about you? It depends on their last experience with you. And that experience could have been open for inspection. That's a kind of an obvious one or at an auction or when they're a buyer. But the other one is at the coffee shop is, you know, how do they treat you and how do they treat others? And as an agent, you're on show 24-7, 365. Most people in the community, if you're good, get to know you. They watch you. You don't know them necessarily, but they know you because they've visited and opened, they've seen your name up, they've attended one of your auctions if you do them on site. So I think it's really a vital thing that it's the way you conduct yourself at all times is critical. And funny, because we've talked a bit about social media and, and I know your site gets enormous social media following and it conducts itself extremely well. 
there are some agents out there, and I've seen and heard of, you know, they got their photos at a, at a function on a Saturday night when they've had a few too many drinks, and they're doing all sorts of things. So, you know, unfortunately, or fortunately, it doesn't really matter how you see it, but social media has made anything you do one mouse click away from the entire community. And so it used to be people talk, and if you did the wrong thing by someone, a few people would find out about it. Nowadays, people can find out very quickly if you're doing the right or the wrong thing. So I think as an attraction agent, it's who you are every day, every day of the year, including Christmas Day, um, is going to be a part of your brand. Then when you go into the community, which is most likely to be buyer service, vendor service, open for inspections, you've got to be on your game at all times. It's really critical. Okay, John, the motto, in fact, last year, the ARIC book that we had as our promotion um, that we gave out as News Corp, we called it Attraction Agent 2.0. Yeah. It's not who you know, it's who knows you. Yeah. And the point that you're making is that social media um, and people in your community may actually be talking about you and you've got no idea and you're leaving a brand impression without having an idea of what they're saying about you. Yeah. Um, I want to talk a little bit about the benefits of running an attraction business versus a non-attraction business is also the quality of the business that seem to get. Whereas a lot of cold calling business that comes with letterbox drop that says, do you want to sell your house, contact us. You're basically one of three or four people that go in. And a lot of the times what's happening, John, is people are calling this agent in just to get a second or third opinion to validate what the attraction agent is saying, or they want to do a bit of fee checking, but they just are in a tendency to call three out. But the attraction agent in a marketplace does seem to have an unfair advantage at the listing presentation, don't they? Oh, undoubtedly. If you, if you get referred in, or if someone has a positive image of who you are and what they're expecting, and you arrive and then you reinforce that with the way you are, I mean, you're 75% to signing the listing there and then. So, you know, I think it's no doubt that as an attraction business, the, um, the level of the ratio of which you list properties to appraisal is going to be much higher. Your fees will be far more appropriate because people are not haggling. They're kind of saying, well, if someone's told me Tom's by far the best, if he's fees 2.5%, well, that's okay by me. Whereas when someone has no recommendation, no knowledge of you or your competitors, sometimes they get into that price shopping mode, which actually is not good for them and it's not good for the industry. So I think you know, that's really critical. Um, raving fans, so I guess what we're saying, Tom, is you need to create raving fans because that means you have an attraction business. So then if we sort of reverse engineer that, how do you create raving fans? You know your stuff. You're authentic when you deal with people. You talk straight. There's no white lives or half-truths. You follow up, you cross T's and you dot I's. These are the sort of activities that we talk week in, week out on this podcast that you have to be doing. It's nothing magical, it's not trickery, it's not smoke and mirrors, it's just doing those things all day, every day. Someone said to me before, a long time ago, is that exhausting? And I said, no, why is it exhausting to tell the truth? Surely it's actually exhausting to not tell the truth. You've got to remember what you told someone. And if you're telling buyers and sellers a different amount, it's kind of craziness. So my view, it's just living a very simple, plain, honest, truthful, orderly, process-driven business. And John, I want to talk to the listeners out there that are saying right now, okay, that all makes sense. I want to know a little bit of the how-to. Let's touch on the issue. It's a lot easier to become a specialist attraction agent in a defined area than trying to be everything to everyone, isn't it? Um, and you're far better, and I know Matt Steinway talks about that system, and I know, I know a lot of people at McGrath use that system where they say, I'm going to totally dominate a predefined area, 
basically become their agent before they need an agent, yeah. be on the shopping list. Sure, I'll pick up some referrals outside of my area or business that I pick up from my open houses, but they do have a methodical process plan in that core area. Um, yeah. Can we touch on that? Well, I'm very focused. Chauncey, I use the example, Pete Chauncey has a 1,000 homes in his focus area and then a 1,000 homes in the next core out, and that's kind of his marketplace. And as I mentioned before, he's on track to do four million in fees this year. Four million. Four million in fees this year. He did two million the first six months this year. Um, he's got sixty-six percent market share. Wow. So uh, his average sale price is one million three hundred twenty-five thousand. So okay, it's a bit. Maybe it's a bit more than some of the listeners, but it's not like we're not talking, you know, riverfronts or waterfronts kind of thing. We're just talking the ex-accountant guy, John. Is, what was he doing? No, he was uh, Troy. What was Pete doing? He was selling beds. He was a bed salesman. So that's kind of interesting that he had no professional background. He went to uni, didn't kind of work out for him, and then he uh, somehow landed a job selling beds while he was trying to figure out what he wanted to do. And then someone said, "Get into real estate." So kind of a good a good story. So, um, yeah, no, good guy. I think focus is important. Uh, I remember Godin, Godin, Seth Godin years ago, he wrote, talked about niche or be niched. Um, if you aren't seen to be a specialist in something, it's, as a generalist, you know, you're going to get business if you're good, of course. But I think if you're a waterfront specialist, a luxury specialist, a home unit specialist, a uh, Narrenburn specialist, a CBD apartment specialist, whatever it is, you should have a hero sweet spot. So this is what you are known for and you're famous for. Once you've done that and you've built momentum, anyone that deals with you should then have the ability to have you hire, hire them to do their property as well. So I think, you know, it's, it's both. And I hate knocking back business, but I'll knock it back if I can't service it, of course. But I used to love in the days when I was, let's call it a Paddington specialist in my early days of real estate, and then someone would, you know, want me to do something elsewhere. That was kind of like you know the cream on the cake for me. I, I liked doing it, but I also loved having a niche or a focus area. It's funny you say that, John. Marcus Ciminello that I did a video blog with, who's a, a great writer for uh, Marshall White in yep. Melbourne, um, ex-PA to James Tostevin, um, by the way, and he writes over two million bucks a year. He said um, about five years ago he made the decision that he wanted to be considered as an attraction specialist at the top end. And he slowly began to say no to five or six hundred thousand dollar units. Now, as I was listening to it, I thought a lot of the viewers out there would take that as coming across. I, I mean, how can I knock back business? How can you knock back um, listings? But he said that at some point he wanted to be known as the person that does the top end, and that he transitioned himself because if he had all this top end stuff and cheap units. He was sending a mixed message to the marketplace and he wanted to be known as the go-to person yeah. in Melbourne, um, upper price ranges. Yeah, a lot of our team does exactly the same and they don't knock it back, they then introduce a colleague. So they'll say, Tom, you know, my specialty at the moment is two million upwards and that's the buyers that I'm working with. You've got a beautiful $800,000 unit. I'd love to bring along Ryan, who's my colleague and Ryan could handle it. So sometimes it's actually someone within their own team. So our top riders often have a, a team member that deals with the less expensive homes. Sometimes it's just another colleague in the office. So I think that's a really good thing. You can't be, in this day and age, you can't really be all things to all people and maximise your success. I think you need a focus, but we've all seen and heard many case studies of the focus agents that, uh, that really do well. So Okay, so John, recapping here, we're talking about having positioning, having profile, being the attraction agent in the marketplace, 
and um, raving fans. Raving fans. Um, it's a lot easier to be good all the time than actually just say I'm going to be good um, occasionally when I've got to meet people. Yeah. Um, authenticity about the fact is that they can copy your. They can copy anything off you, but they can't copy you. Yeah, your attitude and your energy is not something you can stick on a photocopier. You know, yeah. you've got to, that's, that's your lifeblood. So I think, you know, hopefully, and the last thing is niche, you know, or focus, as we said. So be your best, 24-7, 365. It's, it's a delight to do that and really focus on a particular sweet spot and then build your business around that. Okay. Um, John, that concludes this uh, podcast. Uh, Troy gave us the numbers on Friday. We've hit 100,000 podcast uh, downloads, which is fantastic. We'd love people to go on iTunes. It's uh, only take you 30 seconds to uh, rate it. It does help with iTunes and put some comments there. Um, until next time, we're going to say uh, start attracting and stop chasing. Um, <laughs> see you next time, John. Thanks, Tom. Thanks, Tom.